The Tech Leaders Toolbox podcast is brought to you by Paul Simpkins and the Boldly Lead program, focusing on helping tech leaders like you end the frustration of low-performing teams and losing excellent employees so they can increase productivity by 50%, go home on time, and sleep better at nights. Hello and welcome to the Tech Leaders Toolbox. I'm Paul Simpkins, and we're here because how you lead today determines how your team succeeds tomorrow. And you need to be that leader. And remember that leaders achieve greatness by a commitment to grow and become better each and every day. Excellent communication is a vital tool for effective leaders. And without it, developing the right connections and increasing your positive influence are impossible. Excellent communication, though, is more than just how you say something. It's also how you hear something. Following up on last episode, what I want to share with you today is some tools that if you apply them, will make you a better listener than you already are. Are you ready? Let's go. So this is part two of our active listening series, the skills we need to foster better understanding and make sure that communication, real communication, takes place. And the most effective leaders are great communicators because they're great listeners. And it's not just making sure we have our say, but that others have their say as well and are actually heard. And that's where the practice of active listening comes in. Now, last week we talked about the nonverbal skills necessary to practice active listening, keeping an open posture, making eye contact, and looking for visual cues from the speaker. Now let's talk about how respect, consideration, and feedback play a role in active listening. So here's the first thing. The first key is your they need your undivided attention. Let me give you an example. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone while they're thumbing away on their smartphone? It's incredibly annoying. And you can't really tell if they're paying attention or not. And if you bring it up, they try to tell you, well, they can do that and listen at the same time. They're a great multitasker. Along the same lines, I've had uh, a talk with my boss called me in the office to have a talk with him. And all the time that we're talking, he's tapping away on the keyboard on his computer and looking at the computer screen. And again, telling me, don't worry, I can multitask. Well, here's the thing. Multitasking doesn't work. Study after study after study shows that we suck at multitasking. So don't try to sell yourself on the fact that you can multitask because the studies have shown you can't. You can't do two things well at once. And if someone you're talking to is trying to multitask, you have a right to ask for their full attention or talk another time. And so you then deserve, they deserve to have your full attention as well. If you're unable to give your full attention at that time, then you owe them the privilege of arranging another time where you can give them your full attention. Another key is no interruptions when you're having a conversation. Here's a little secret I discovered a long time ago. Email stays there until you look at it. Telephones have voicemail. Let them all be until you're done. 
unless you have an urgent family matter pending, there should never be a reason to allow for a speaker to be interrupted. And along the same way, you shouldn't be the interruption. What happens a lot of times in conversations is we're going to hear something that you feel you need to react to right away. It's triggered an emotion or some or something like that, and we want to react right away. Don't. What you want is to be able to respond and not react. Almost always when you react. In fact, I'll say always. When you react instead of responding, things do not go well after that. And the time to respond is after the speaker's finished, not during it. So don't spend time trying to formulate your response while they're speaking. You're spending time and space in your mind coming up with a response, which means, because remember we can't multitask, it means you're not listening anymore. Uh, The famous Stephen Covey, uh, former late Stephen Covey, I should say, who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People once said, most people don't listen with the intent to understand They listen with the intent to reply. Is that true for you? I know I've found myself doing that before, and I have to catch myself at it and and kind of talk talk myself down off of that ledge. So then I'll take some more advice from Stephen Covey. Seek first to understand and then be understood. Another key is to affirm the speaker. Feedback is a valuable tool. In fact, as one of my mentors, John C. Maxwell, says, feedback is currency for leaders, and it's pretty much valuable currency for anyone. So when you're engaged in a vital conversation, it's important there too. While the other person is speaking, they will pause occasionally, sometimes to catch their breath, other times to gather their thoughts. And this is the perfect time to provide them with a quick affirmation as feedback. You want to let them know that you're interested in what they have to say, that you're paying attention, and that you want to hear more. You can learn a lot of different phrases, but I've found generally that the best response is going to be a genuine response based on what they've said so far. So you can say things like, that's interesting. Tell me more. Or even, really? And of course, tone and inflection matters there. If you say that in a deadpan, then they can tell that you don't mean it. It can even be as simple as giving them a quick little "Uh uh-huh or okay or or yes or go on. Anything like that that encourages them, lets them know you're paying attention and encourages them to continue. You want to allow them the opportunity to get their entire thought out. So keep in mind, your objective is to encourage the speaker and not stop them in their tracks. So use language that's natural for you and don't use the same one every time. Another key is you want to question them, but you want to question for clarity. So once a speaker completes a thought, take the time to ask a question. You should always ask a question after a speaker finishes a thought. Your objective here, again, is to seek understanding. So your question needs to be more than a yes or no response, generally. You also want to take great care to make sure that your question is not a challenge or a rebuttal to them. 
you want to look to fill in the blanks that may be left by what the speaker said so far. So one of the biggest, uh, best techniques I found for this that always works well for me is simply tell them what they said. Again, you can use your own language for this, but typically what I'll do is once the speaker is finished, then I will respond to them and I'll respond by repeating back what they said in my own words. So I'll say, so, so what I hear you saying is, and then I'll repeat back what I thought they said. So one of two things are going to happen from that. They're either going to confirm your understanding and they're going to say, yep, that's exactly what I meant. Or they're going to correct your understanding. Either way, it's a win-win, right? You either, you either did understand what they had to say, bonus, or you didn't understand and now they're going to clarify it and now you understand. And they know that you actually paid attention and that you have a clear picture of what you're responding to. And here's the last key. Search the feelings. You know, this almost goes back, you know, if you're a Star, or Star Wars fan, right? That uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was always uh, coaching Luke Skywalker to search your feelings. And that was part of the Jedi thing. Search your feelings because feelings have meaning. Words have meaning. And they have emotion behind them. In fact, did you know that according to a study by, done by psychology professor Albert Morabian, only part of the meaning is conveyed through the way something is said. And in fact, specifically, what he discovered was that what we say only accounts for 7% of communication. 7%. The rest of it is handled by the way we say it and what others see when we're saying it. So in other words, 93% of the meaning has nothing to do with what we say. So to really get the meaning of what somebody is saying to us, we also have to get the feeling. We have to capture the emotion behind it. So we look, listen and look for emotional content, the tone of voice, the volume, the words that they emphasize. Great little uh, exercise I'll do sometimes with in workshops with people is I will pick out several people in the workshop. I will hand them all a piece of paper with a phrase on it. And they all get the exact same phrase. And what they have to do is they have to repeat that phrase back to the entire room. But each one has to say it with a different emotion. And then the group has to figure out what emotion it is they're conveying. Because the emotion changes the meaning. The words you emphasize in the sentence change the meaning. All of that has impact. So be sure to take the time to search the feelings and look for what's going on in the underlying emotions 
In other words, the way they say it and what you see when they're saying it, that is that 93% of the communication. The more you pay attention to this whole picture in communication, the active listening, the nonverbal cues that we talked about last week, and feedback, providing your undivided attention, affirming the speaker, questioning for clarity, and searching the feelings. The more you focus on these active listening skills and practice them on a regular basis, the more meaning and understanding is going to be gained. Communication will actually occur, and that is practicing active listening. We'll be back in a moment. While you're here, take a moment right now to subscribe to the Tech Leaders Toolbox podcast and leave a review. That way, you will always be up to date on the bold and innovative leadership principles we are sharing here. And come join the Tech Leaders Toolbox Facebook group as well, where you and other leaders discuss these concepts in more detail and we answer your questions. Subscribe today and share this with your friends. All right, so here we come to the portion where I always share an outdoor cooking recipe. I am a huge fan of outdoor cooking. I love it. Uh, it's not partially benefit from the fact that I live in Florida, but I just love to do it. You know, I grew up in the scouting program, so I camped a lot, and we always cooked outdoors over open fire and all. And uh, of course, grilling. I have a smoker and I do a lot of smoke cooking recipes. I love cooking with Dutch ovens because they're so versatile and there's so many things you can do. So I always like to share an outdoor cooking recipe every week. And in fact, I love outdoor cooking so much. I've actually created a Facebook group called Smoke and Ash. And me and all of my friends are out there on Smoke and Ash and we're sharing recipes and ideas and our gadgets, and what we're cooking on, and uh, and it's a lot of fun, and a lot of benefit out of it. Uh, with the past couple of holidays, July 4th holiday, Memorial Day, everybody was sharing all the stuff that they were cooking outdoors on their grills and their smokers, a lot of Big Green Egg fans. Now again, that's the Smoke and Ash Facebook group, and you're welcome to come out and join us. Every recipe I share on the show here I put out there on that Smoke and Ash Facebook group as well. For this week, what I've got for you is a nice little breakfast recipe that, again, is just so good outdoors, especially great on uh, one of those cooler mornings. And this is for cornmeal pancakes. Uh, cornmeal pancakes. It's a simple, it's filling, and if you serve it with a side meat, oh, it's just excellent. So what you're going to need for this, of course, you're going to need a griddle. You could use a, a cast iron skillet over an open fire or over coals if you wanted. Uh, you're going to need uh, three mixing bowls, probably a small, medium, and a large mixing bowl, a spoon for mixing, and then, of course, you're going to need a spatula or a turner for the griddle. And then for your ingredients, you're going to need one whole egg, which you're going to separate the yolk from the white. You need about two cups of buttermilk. Uh, some vegetable oil, canola oil is fine for that, about two tablespoons of that, and a half a cup of sifted flour. You're going to need a teaspoon of baking soda, teaspoon of salt, teaspoon of sugar, and about one and a half cups of cornmeal. 
So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to take the egg white, put it in the smallest bowl, and you're going to beat it up until stiff peaks start to form on it and then set it aside. Then you're going to take the egg yolk and slightly beat it and then add your um, buttermilk and your oil to that and whisk that all together real good. Then, and again, you're going to do that in the largest bowl, by the way, mixing those wet ingredients. Then in the medium bowl, you're going to mix together your flour and your cornmeal and all the other dry ingredients and just kind of stir them together and then add them to the wet ingredients, to the buttermilk, oil, and uh, egg yolk mixture and stir that up real good. Once that's thoroughly mixed, then you're going to fold in the beaten egg white. You want to fold it in carefully because, again, it's going to give it a little bit of fluffiness if you fold it instead of beating it in. And then you're going to let that batter sit for about 10 minutes. And then once you're ready, you're going to heat up your grill, get it nice and hot and grease it. And then you're going to buy quarter cupfuls, take a quarter cupful at a time, pour it on that greased griddle, brown it on both sides. And then uh, they'll, they'll take a little bit longer to cook than regular pancakes will. But you're going to cook them on all sides. You can set them aside until you get them all done. And then if you want to go traditional, a lot of people will put like regular pancakes, put butter and uh, syrup on them. What I like to really do with it, though, is I like to use either honey or even better, something like blackberry preserves or some kind of a berry fruit preserve on it. You just spread that over top of those cornmeal pancakes, and that is just so good. And of course, you know, you can fry up a ham steak or serve a little bacon on the side or sausage, and it's absolutely delicious. And that's what it is, cornmeal pancakes. Now, again, that recipe will be available out on the Smoke and Ash Facebook group. Or if uh, you want, you can just go ahead and send me an email at tltoolbox at boldlylead.com, and I'll gladly send the recipe to you. All right, so this week we finished up our uh, two-episode coverage of active listening skills to make you a better listener and therefore a better communicator. We'll have some more episodes coming up in the near future. I want you to take a few moments right now before you leave. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have an opportunity, whatever avenue you're listening to the podcast through, you can leave a review for us. Then go ahead and leave a review about us as well. And if you want to extend the conversation, come on out. We have a Facebook group called the Tech Leaders Toolbox where we extend the conversations here. You can pose questions to us and, uh, and further discussions uh, on any of the episodes that we have uh, posted so far. And again, that's the Tech Leaders Toolbox Facebook group. Well, that's all for this week. Until next week, go out and be the leader you were meant to be.